Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who goes along with you. Viewers, look at this. JT Sanders. Every which way, it is Burton Orange, it is Texas Longhorns, and it is a heck of a first half out of Quinn Ewers. What a throw on the seam. It's pretty well covered, it's pretty well defended, but you have a big body tight end. Well, if you thought things couldn't have gotten any worse after Oklahoma's loss to TCU in Fort Worth, you were probably just taken back by what happened at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Oklahoma falls to Texas 49 to nothing in a game that's already been dissected and broken down and talked about and analyzed and all of that before I even released this podcast. So I've got just a few thoughts I'm going to share on it, but then we're going to do something a little bit different. I, I kind of hinted to this my last podcast that my travel schedule picks up for the month of October into November. And so uh, we're going to change up the format of the Sooner Nation podcast just a little bit. And we're going to go with a lot of your true or false statements because I was inundated with true or false statements after Oklahoma's loss to Texas on Saturday. And so Instead of picking through and finding the five best that I like, I'm going to read you every true or false statement that comes uh, on the back part of this game. Texas almost 600 yards of offense against the Sooners, 289 through the air, 296 on the ground, completely balanced against Oklahoma's defense. Meanwhile, the Sooners just couldn't produce any offense. 39 total passing yards for Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Average of 2.3 yards per pass, 3.7 yards per rush. They did rush for 156, 195 total yards is what Oklahoma produced. But man, it's this team, nothing changed. I mean, we, we talked about uh, leading up to the game. Here's what has to happen. And, and the two key positions that we really kind of pointed out going into this game last week was the quarterback position. You got to have solid quarterback play and and the linebackers. And, and I will say the linebackers were better than the quarterback, but that's not saying much because quarterback play was absolutely atrocious. I mean, just atrocious. Um, and so when you when you look at this, you know, we have the saying, we have the phrase, you know, you don't want to beat a dead horse. I, I think going back and talking about this game, you would say the exact same things that you said about TCU. The offense didn't look like it was coordinated and functional. The defense had bad angles, poor coverage. And once they got smacked around, you see them kind of, back down a little bit there's not a there's not a level of fight there's not a level of physicality and there really doesn't seem to be a a a good grasp conceptually of what either side of the ball wants to accomplish now offensively that can be fixed as soon as you put Dylan Gabriel back in no he's not the most accurate passer Oklahoma's ever had no, he's not the most athletic quarterback Oklahoma has ever had. No, he's not the most dynamic personality that's ever played the signal caller position for the Sooners. And no, he's probably not going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. But when you look at what's behind him, clearly he's the way to go. And that, that will bring this offense back around as far as that it becoming a fully functional unit on the field. But then you got to go back and you still look at the penalties. The penalties have killed this offense. Offensive line play and penalties have been, and I've been saying this, guys, I've been saying this for a long time. 
Offensive line play has been worse than the play of Dylan Gabriel. The quarterback is the easy target because he's the guy who touches the ball on every play. But false start penalties, holding penalties, blown assignments, those have all been there consistently throughout the season. I don't don't know that they're going to get exponentially better. Now, Oklahoma, I will say this. Oklahoma only, only had... Three penalties against Texas on Saturday. If, if you're looking for something positive, I think you start there. The fact that you only had three penalties for 36 yards, here's the positives. It, we, I mean, again, I've, I've always described myself as a pessimist. So if you're wanting to pull out a positive, here, here's three positives, okay? Number one, um, I think you got to start with Michael Turk. Uh, be it the, the punting, be it the, uh, the throw on the fake field goal, you got to start with Michael Turk. Number two, I think you go with Braden Willis. And it's more like one and one A. The play of Braden Willis in the Wildcat formation and that creativity, um, Braden Willis is every bit what every Oklahoma football player should be as far as bought in, 100%, willing to sacrifice, do whatever it takes for the team. And then number three, you look at penalties. Only three penalties. Texas, of course, only had two. So... Um, so yeah, so there you have it. That, and that's all I'm going to say about this game uh, because I, I've got a bang load of, of true or false statements from you guys that we're going to jump into and that's going to take over for the rest of this podcast until we get to the Big, De- Big 12 rundown at the very, very end. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. This is the Sooner Nation Podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, here we go. This is a special edition of the Sooner Nation podcast where you guys kind of set the tone. You set the uh, conversation topics, and uh, these are all from you. Um, I think I got everything, and I just want to point it out here. If I missed something, I am so sorry. Please uh, please forgive me uh, for doing that, but uh, um, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, Starting with Mark, Mark says, uh, these are all true or false statements. Mark says, Brent Venables is stubborn enough to go winless the rest of the season. Uh, Mark, that's false. I don't think Oklahoma goes winless the rest of the season. And, and I think you have to look at what kind of stubborn are we talking about, right? Because as a fan base, our conversation topics have been, why, why Davis Bevel? Why not Nick Evers? Why not General Booty? And we look at that and we see stubborn because it's clearly not working with Davis Bevel. But what we may not know is that it's probably not working in practice with General Booty. It's probably not working in practice with Nick Evers. Now, look, Nick Evers, when he came in and got his passing attempt against Texas, I know it was garbage time. I know it was late, but that was a terrible pass, terrible throw, almost spiked it right into the ground. So I'm I'm really moving towards the belief that there's not a better option. That Davis Bevel as the backup quarterback is the best option that Oklahoma has right now in this moment. And here's what we're looking at. I mean, um, we this was the conversation taking place in my house as we're watching Oklahoma get pummeled. How did the quarterback position get so bad at the University of Oklahoma? Well, I mean, you the answer is pretty simple. Because you lose Chandler Morris, you lose Tanner Mordecai, you lose Caleb Williams, you lose Spencer Rattler. And we spent a lot of time talking about Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. But, I mean, you've lost four quarterbacks from this program in the last two years. That's why there's no quarterback depth here. And so you got to go back through and you got to rebuild it. And we look at it from a fan base perspective as, well, they're just too stubborn to play anybody else. Maybe, maybe there is nobody else to play. Maybe this is the best that they have. And maybe this the concern that the media had, the concern that a lot of us fans voiced going into the preseason was, okay, Dylan Gabriel's a game manager type quarterback. What's behind him? And whatever's behind him is what I'm concerned about. And, and now we're seeing those concerns become a reality. And you can flip the side of the ball and you talk about Jaron Kanek. He's the other guy that everyone wants to see play. 
And we, we put that on, on, on Brent Venables. And, and, he, and, and the thing is, is that I do feel like Brent Venables has more say in what happens defensively than he does with what happens offensively. And here's the reason why. Because I think defensively, he brought in Ted Roof, and, and he wanted Ted Roof to build this defense with him. So he and Ted Roof are kind of equal partners, maybe 60-40 Brent Venables having the lead there in the defensive schematics and game planning and stuff. But at the end of the day, the defensive coordinator is Ted Roof. With, with what happens with Jeff Levy's offense, that's all on Jeff Levy. I think Brent Venables came in and gave Jeff Levy the keys to the car and just told him to drive it and enjoy it. And I, I don't know that Brent Venables is ever going to go to Jeff Levy and say, Here's who I want you to play at quarterback. I think Brent Venables has told Jeff Levy, I trust you, make the right decisions, make the right choices, and play the guy that you feel gives us the best chance. And, and you saw, if, if you read between the lines with what they're saying, there was a lot of talk post-game, there was a lot of talk earlier this week about practice players, and if a guy doesn't show it in practice, then he's not going to give him the opportunity to show it in the game. And if you look into that, what they're saying is, what we're seeing in practice, Davis Bevel's our best option. Now, as a fan, I want to see General Booty. As a fan, I want to see, I want to see something. I want to see anything that can make Oklahoma's offense look like it works. But really, I mean, I just, I don't think there's anything there. I don't think there is something that would make this offense work. I also don't think Oklahoma's going to go winless. I don't think they're going 0-6 the rest of the way. And uh, we can maybe get into that here later on uh, because I think there's another true or false question that somewhat maybe addresses that. I don't know. If not, I'll give you some thoughts. Uh, but that's it, Mark. I, I say false. I, I think, uh, I, well, here, whoa, I'm, I'm just going to go down another rabbit hole here. Why is Brent Venables being stubborn? Why is he being stubborn? We, we look at it as, hey, from our perspective, this is what we want as a fan base. But I think we also have to step over to the other side and look at it as what does Brent Venables want from this program? How is he trying to build it? And when it comes to a battle of wills, guys, this is the standard. This is the way we're going to do it. Either you do it this way or it's not going to work. The coach has to win that battle. The players can't win. Lack of effort, lack of practice. Think, think about Theo Weiss. Again, here's another, another great example. Theo Weiss did not play on Saturday against Texas. Why? It came back to the coaches talking about earlier this week, uh, I believe it was today on Tuesday, um, they said it was a practice issue. We didn't like the way he practiced. It was our decision for him not to play, and that play was based off of what happened in practice. The coaches have to win that battle. And to win that battle, you have to be stubborn. Because we, we talk about the soft culture that Lincoln Riley developed. We talked about the finesse type program that Lincoln Riley developed. You can't go back on wanting to change it. And the minute you give in, the minute you cave on what your expectations are, you step backwards in terms of trying to fix this program. So, yeah, I, I do believe he's being st stubborn. Mark, I, I agree with you. I don't know if there is another answer at quarterback, but I would be shocked if Oklahoma goes 0-6 to close out the season. All right, here we go. Bill says this, true or false, Brent Vittables lacks the fire he had when he was a defensive coordinator. Wow. I, also, how about this, Bill? I'm going to say it's false uh, because I think Brent Venables is still very passionate about football. I think he's very passionate about this team. I think he's very passionate about winning, um, but I think he shows it in different ways. I, I, I would bet... Uh, from what I've heard uh, about practices, these football players on this team would say this is absolutely false. I think as the head coach, he contains that, that passion, that fire, and he channels it a little bit differently than what he did as the defensive coordinator. So, Bill, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say it's false and that he lacks the fire that he had when he was a defensive coordinator. And then I'm going to say true uh, in that he doesn't show it, uh, the emotion from the sideline that he did when he was with Oklahoma as a defensive coordinator for Bob Stoops, when he was at Clemson as a defensive coordinator for Dabo Sweeney. So I, I think um, you, can't, you can't listen to what he says post-game, pre-game, coaches show. 
You can't listen to interviews and, and think this guy doesn't have passion for the game. You, you can't, it's just, it doesn't, it, that, those two things don't click. They don't, they, they don't mesh together. Um, but you're right, Bill, he's not showing it in the way that, um, that we're used to seeing it. But I don't think that fixes anything. I, I mean, I, we've, I've, seen, I've seen him kind of coach guys up on the sidelines. Kind of someone has to be level-headed, cool, calm, and collective. And um, there, there may be a time coming as this losing streak has grown to three games where we see that fire just because there's no other option. But I, I, think, I think Brent's trying to be diplomatic in the way he approaches this. I don't think he's gone soft. I mean, there's nothing th- that indicates uh, from practice reports and player reports that says he's gone soft. But you're right, Bill. It's a it's different, uh, different look for him. Uh, Jessica, oh, here we go. Uh, here we go. We're going to jump right into this. Jessica says Brent Venables isn't the answer. Jessica says Brent Venables isn't the answer. True or false? Jessica, I'm going to say false. Uh, and, and I know you're not alone in, in the way you think about this. And, and I'm going to go back to what I said last week. Um, I, I think, I think you got to save your receipts. Okay. I, I am personally of the opinion that it's, it's way, way too early, way too early. We're, we're six games into the Brent Venables era. Three of those six, six games, this team has looked outstanding. Very good. Three of those six games, this team has looked pathetic. They've looked bad. Um, and unfortunately, the three games that they've looked pathetically bad in have been the conference games. But... I don't think six games in, you can say that he is or is not the answer. You, you can make your decisions now. And, and what I'm asking people to do is just save the receipts. Because this is going to be a three-year decision. I, I, three years minimum. When, when you look at what, how this program was gutted, and you can, you can search Heartland Sports. Go to our website, heartland-sports.com. You can search for the title. Lincoln Riley didn't just leave the Oklahoma program. He gutted it. When you look at the coaching staff he pulled out, when you look at the, uh, the players that he pulled out, when you look at the recruits that he pulled out away from this program, he really gutted this thing out. And then the aftermath of, of players hitting the transfer portal, the aftermath of players jumping to the NFL, I, th- this program was set back. They go and they win the bowl game. I, probably, probably the worst thing that happened for Oklahoma fans in hindsight was they went out. They didn't just beat Oregon. They dominated Oregon in, in the Alamo Bowl. And that set this standard for, for the next season. But uh, Brent Fittables has a lot of work ahead of him. And here's what I'm going to keep deferring back to. Here's what it comes down to for me. We have yet to see one full recruiting cycle with Brent Venables. We haven't seen it. And people want to compare Brent Venables to Scott Frost. People want to compare this program to the Nebraska program. And, and I, don't, I don't know that that's a fair comparison. Because we haven't seen what Brent Venables is going to bring in. Now, we're, we're doing this this time next year. I think we can start having that conversation. We're doing this three years from now, the 2024 season. Definitely, we can have that conversation. But for right now, I I think it's too soon. I really do. I said this after TCU, and I I, I think I said it after the Texas game. I'm saying it again now. It's just way, way too soon. I'm not going to criticize you for having an opinion I've got my opinion. My opinion is that Brent Venables is the guy. I'm still ride or die with Brent Venables. But, um, man, six games in, it's way, way too early to be pulling that trigger. Uh, Jerry says this, the lack of offense affected the play of the defense against Texas on Saturday. Now, Jerry, this is true. I'm going to tell you this right now. The the defense has a lot of work to do, okay? Still bad angles, still um, blown assignments in the secondary, still... You know, poor effort on tackling. There's still there's a long way to go with this defense, but the defense seemed to be a little bit more passionate. The defense seemed to have a little bit more fire than what we saw in Fort Worth. And if if you think about it, go back and just you don't want to watch the game. Trust me, you don't want to. We watch we watch the whole game, but this defense started out well. 
They start out better on the opening series than they did a year ago in the Cotton Bowl. And, and this game was 7-0 after the first quarter. 21-0 was the score for the second quarter, so you get a 28-0 halftime lead, but it was 7-0 after the first 15 minutes. But I think watching this offense fail time after time after time after time, yeah, it takes it out. Because you lose hope. You, I mean, you, you, you lose, you lose hope that you're going to be get able to be able to get back in this game. And and the inability to to produce offensive yards, points, anything, absolutely. I don't. I don't think that was the case a week ago in Fort Worth. I really don't because the the defense is is losing its mind. With Dylan Gabriel still playing, the offense was. You know, I, I don't think you can say that about the loss at TCU. But I absolutely think you can say that about the loss here to Texas. The inability to produce anything that looked like an offense absolutely affected the way this defense. It just kind of squelched the fire, if you will. Um, here we go. Tim says this. Uh, excuse me. Thomas says this. Oh, this is a good one, too. Uh, Spencer Rattler is the quarterback that got away from Oklahoma, not Caleb Williams. Um, okay, so here, here's what's, um, <laughs> here's, what's uh, um, here's what's hard about these true or false questions. Because I got to kind of read into what you mean. And I know some of you guys just send it as a tweet. Some of you send it as a, uh, as a comment on the website. Some of you guys send it as an uh, email. Um, and I think what you're talking about is, uh, I'm just gonna have to, I'm I'm, I'm gonna interpret this my way, okay? And and hopefully hopefully I, I get it interpreted the right way here, Thomas. But uh, the way I look at what you're trying to say is, we've spent a lot of time talking about Caleb Williams and and what he could have done with this team offensively. Um, and you look at Mario Williams going with him. You look at you know Jaden Hazelwood transferring out. All these things that could have happened had Caleb Williams stayed. But the reality is Spencer Rattler is the guy that could have stayed and been better than Dylan Gabriel. I think that's what you're saying. And I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say this is false because I think the guy that got away from this Oklahoma football program that really would benefit right now is Tanner Mordecai. Now, I know he left before Lincoln Riley did. But when you look at what Tanner Mordecai is doing at SMU, it's like, what, he's already got almost, I think he's got over 1,600 passing yards. Not for sure how many touchdowns, but like 12, 13 touchdowns. When you, when you look at what he's doing at SMU, and you go back to that Texas game where, where Lincoln Riley, remember when Lincoln Riley benched Spencer Rattler in the first half against Texas two years ago? And Tanner Mordecai came in and managed that game pretty well. I think if you're looking for a guy that got away that you really think, man, he could really be beneficial right now, that, that guy's Tanner Mordecai, in my opinion. I, I don't know that, I really don't know that Spencer Rattler would be any better than what Dylan Gabriel is. He's still turnover prone, and Dylan Gabriel's not turnover prone. He doesn't read defenses very well. And, and when you look at the faults of the quarterbacks, if you're comparing Dylan Gabriel to Spencer Rattler, you know, Dylan Gabriel makes the right read multiple most most of the time. He makes the right read and 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 puts the ball where it needs to go. He just doesn't connect on the pass. And I think I would rather have that guy than the guy who can't make the read and is turnover prone. I don't know that Spencer Rattler fixes any of the problems that Oklahoma has right now. I think Tanner Mordecai might have, but that's just me. Hey, we got lots more to come. Sooner Nation Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Sooner Nation podcast, we're reading your true or false statements and we're breaking them down and giving you my opinion on them, whether they are true or whether they're false. Uh, Man, this may be, again, I'm traveling. Um, There's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about Oklahoma Sooners and they're great podcasts out there that talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. I may be the only one that's right now producing from Bogota, Colombia. Um, But hey, that's just me. That's where I am right now in the world. Uh, And this is the reason why things get difficult with my podcast schedule. But here we go. Um, You can participate um, as we move forward. You got something you want to throw out there. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Sports Heartland. Sports Heartland on Twitter. Email Heartland uh, underscore sports at yahoo.com. You can find our podcast page, heartland-sports.com. Drop a comment there and we'll do our best to get to it. Um, Joshua says this, true or false, people need to stop hating on the team and trust the process. People need to stop hating on the team and trust the process. Joshua, I think that's true, and this is just a personal opinion. Um, I'm not one to bash personal opinions out there. I may share my personal opinion in light of yours, but I'm not going to bash you as a fan uh, for having a a different opinion of mine. But yes, I think there's a process that's going on here. And and I'm going to say this as well, because you might might put me on a little bit of a soapbox here, Joshua, because I I sent out a tweet on Saturday – Basically saying this, uh, Davis Bevel is the worst starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma since when, dot, dot, dot. And there were some people that took offense to that. Like, I'm personally dogging Davis Bevel. I mean, I, I didn't I, I didn't say, uh, I, I didn't call him a name. I didn't talk about his family. I just said, man, this guy's a bad quarterback. Right? We can call a spade a spade, right? You, you can say this guy's playing bad. And that's not a personal insult. And, and, and I think Brent Venables kind of backed up what I said this week when he talked about people criticizing the team. He talked about the media. He talked about the fans. He talked about Twitter. All the criticism that's coming the way of this team. And Brent Venables was like, yeah, we, we pretty much deserve that, what's happening right now, what's being said about us. We deserve that. Um, and so I do think there's a difference between criticizing a situation, criticizing a coaching decision, criticizing the way a player plays, there's a there's a difference between doing that and really just kind of being a hater. And 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 fan base is across, I mean, fan is short for the word fanatic. That means we act outside of our minds at times. And so we're we're we cross that line a lot. Um so that said, um I do believe there's a process that's taking place here a process that's going to take time, a process that we may not like, but we hopefully will like the end result. That's why I said in the last segment, I'm still I'm still on Team Brent Venables. I'm still ride or die with Venables, but uh, I do believe that there is a little bit more bashing going on. than I saw one guy just talking, for example, uh, man, and I, again, I don't mean to call people out and hurt feelings or whatever, but this is just an example of what I'm talking about. I, I saw one guy... Uh, criticizing Jeff Lebby for getting injured when he played for the University of Oklahoma. Um, and man, I mean, why? Why do we need to do that? Jeff Lebby hurting his back as an offensive lineman when he played for this team has nothing to do with what happened at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. You see, that, and that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of, that's, that's to me, when you say someone's a hater, that's a hater type comment. Saying Davis Bevel's the worst quarterback to play for this team since Garrick McGee, Justin Fuente, that group, I think that's just being talking facts, all right? That's just calling a spade a spade. And there's a difference there. But I do think there's a process going on, Joshua. I do think that um I I think uh I think that uh, hopefully in two or three years down the road we'll um we'll see this play out in, in a more beneficial way than what we're seeing now. Um, here we go. Uh, Steven says this, there's, uh, there's still a lot we don't know, but what we do know about this team is that Davis Bevel <laughs> isn't the answer. Uh, 
Spot on, Stephen. Spot on. Uh, I, I, you, we've seen Davis Bevel twice now. Okay, we we saw him uh, for a half against TCU. Uh, we saw him for a full game against Texas, and I can unequivocally say Davis Bevel isn't the answer. But I also said this after the game, after the Texas game on Saturday, I said uh, in my post-game thoughts that there isn't an answer. I don't think there is. And it goes back to what I said in the first segment of this podcast right here, um, is that Davis Bevel is the best option that they have. I mean, you, we saw the Wildcat, okay? We saw Eric Gray. We saw uh, Marcus Major. Uh, we saw Braden Willis. We saw several people take snaps. And the reason you do that is because you don't have an, uh, another option. There isn't an answer at this quarterback position uh, in the absence of Dylan Gabriel. Um, Jackson Arnold is going to come in. The, the second Jackson Arnold steps on campus, he's QB number two. The very second, oh, we want him to be QB number one. He might be. Okay, he might be. He's going to have an opportunity to compete to be QB number one. But what I'm saying is just by the his mere presence, his mere presence on campus makes him QB number two with the opportunity to fight and battle it out to be QB number one. Because they're, you're right, Davis Bevel is not the answer, but I, I don't think General Booty is. I, I don't think Nick Evers is. I mean, when Brayden Willis is more of an answer at quarterback than those guys, that tells you what you all you need to know about the quarterback position, or at least the state of the quarterback. Um, Jeremy says this, the team has hit rock bottom, and it can only get better from here. Um, bro, I hate to tell you this, that's false. Uh, what? What do you mean? They just lost 49 to nothing to Texas. What, what do you mean they haven't hit rock bottom? Rock bottom could be coming with Kansas. Somehow Oklahoma is a favorite over Kansas. They were not a favorite over Texas. They were, by, by kickoff, they were, um, they were double-digit underdogs against Texas. But dang, Kansas is coming to Norman, and you're a favorite over Kansas. Now think about this. Follow my logic here. One thing that, uh, well, there's many things that Oklahoma fans have had on their side for the last 20 years of when we're talking about football. But one of the things that we've really loved the most was the ability to kind of rub it in the nose of Texas fans that they lost to Kansas, right? We, I mean, we, we can say that. Hey, you guys lost to Kansas twice to a bad Kansas, twice. If Kansas comes to Norman as an underdog and wins this game on Saturday, I think that's the new rock bottom. I really do. Now, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jeremy, that there's, there, you can only go up. I don't think it can get much worse than what we're seeing. I doubt Kansas shuts out Oklahoma, especially since Dylan Gabriel is most likely going to be back. But the reality of this is that if, if Oklahoma loses to Kansas, there's rock bottom right there. Because not only are you on a four-game losing streak for the first time since 1998, not only is bowl eligibility seriously in question for the first time since 1998, but man, you lost to Kansas. And you can't, you can't rub it in the noses of the Texas fans anymore. You can't get under their skin. You want to get under the skin of a Texas fan? Bring up Kansas football. I'm serious. It's still, to this day, it just irritates the crud out of them. That, you, that gets brought up. You want to you watch them go toxic? You want to watch a Texas fan lose their mind? Bring up Kansas football. But you lose this game on Saturday, that's no longer an option for you as an Oklahoma fan. And I, and I think that's probably rock bottom. Uh, Wendy says this, true or false, OU is going to lose recruits over this. Um, look, I, think it's, I think it's false, Wendy. I, 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 by over this, I mean, I think you mean... A, the, the three-game losing streak, the way they're currently playing, the state of this program. I, I think these recruits, I, I just talked about Jackson Arnold. The very second Jackson Arnold steps on campus, he becomes QB number two with, an, with the opportunity to fight and battle with Dylan Gabriel to be QB number one. Man, I, if I'm Jackson Arnold, I can't wait to get here. I, I, I don't, and recruiting is such a difficult, difficult thing to prognosticate. We, we learned that. Uh, just a week ago with DJ Hicks, where everyone in their dog thought DJ Hicks was coming to Oklahoma. Texas A&M puts down a big bag of money, and now all of a sudden uh, he's going to College Station. So how, keeping this class together, I think, is, is going to be difficult 
but not impossible. But I think that that same, I don't, I don't know that three and three raises the get difficulty level from six and oh. I think if Oklahoma is undefeated, they're still going to be fighting off bags of money from other teams. PJ uh, Adabari is a good example. DJ Hicks is recruiting PJ Adabari right now to go to Texas AM. And whether Oklahoma is 6 and 0 or 3 and 3 or 4 and 2 or 0 and 6, that doesn't change the fact that DJ Hicks wants PJ Adabari to come to Texas AM. Now, the good news is that Adabari's girlfriend's coming to Oklahoma and um and that that you know, that's the best recruiting tool you got right there. You know, look at Billy Bowman for an, a great example of that. But I, is this class going to hold together? I think there's a really good chance this class holds together. If you made me pick somebody, and I've said this again, the, the three and three record doesn't change my opinion on this. But I, I, I've said this from the day he committed. Colton Vesic is the guy that I've, I'm skeptical about because he's a legacy kid for the University of Texas. And the University of Texas shows it's got its stuff together then that maybe, that maybe draws him more to stay home than what's happening in Norman. I, I think Texas winning games probably has more weight than Oklahoma losing games with a kid like that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I think these, these guys are coming in here going, oh, I can play. I can make that coverage. I can make that tackle. I can make that throw. I, could, I can make that block. And I think they they know that they could be um, they could be plug and play guys. A lot of these guys can, or at least have the opportunity to. And I think that's probably going to draw them in. Um, so, uh, good question though, Wendy. Uh, Ronnie says this: true or false? The Wildcat was working. Yeah, it was. Texas, I was not prepared for that at all. That when whether you're running Eric Gray, you're running. Braden Willis or Marcus Major. I think it worked less with Marcus Major, but the point is it was working. It was something that showed some creativity. It was something that kind of uh, caught Texas off balance, off guard. But the problem with the Wildcat is that you're very limited. You're very limited in what you can do with it. And we saw that. Now, I think they moved away from it way, way too early, but I think you're limited on, on that. Um, Shane says the media was right. Michael Turk is the only all conference player on this team. Yeah, Shane, that's true. And what's funny is Brent Venables said the exact same thing today in his press conference that uh, Michael Turk, probably the only guy that deserves preseason accolades that he got. Well, he was the only guy to get preseason accolades and the media was right. I was wrong. I'm thinking there. And, and, Man, I don't mind admitting when I was wrong because I'll throw it out there. I'll put it back in your face with the, the times when I was right. But I, I'll admit I was wrong. I, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State has blown my mind this year. He, uh, you, you talk about the maturation of a quarterback. You talk about the progression of a quarterback. Spencer Sanders is that maturation in, in progression. He he is um, – I mean, he's, he's the, a good, I mean, he is the textbook example of that. And all I said about Spencer Sanders was there's no way, there's no way he's going to be the all big 12 quarterback at the end of the season. Now I think Max Duggan can, can maybe, uh, maybe give him a run for his money. I think Adrian Martinez, the way he's played since the Oklahoma game has maybe entered the conversation. But right now, honestly, at this point, I think the postseason big 12 quarterback position is Spencer Sanders to lose. And I was 100% wrong about that. But, yeah, I mean, we, we were so up in arms. You mean there's not a defensive guy? There's not an offensive guy that could be preseason all Big 12? Not, not an offensive lineman? Not a skilled position player? Um, turns out the media probably knew what they were talking about right there. So, yeah, that, that's true, Shane. Jordan says, true or false, oh, you needed a quarterback who could be a threat in the run game on Saturday. Man, this, this, you hit it right there on the, you nailed this, Jordan. Um, because I, I think, now this is me being the armchair quarterback, okay? I think what we saw from the offensive game plan, it wasn't suited for Davis Bevel. 
I mean, Davis Bevel is a statue. He's not a mobile guy. He's not a quarterback. He's not going to go out and, and burn a def- defense for 40 yards or 60 yards like, like um, Dylan Gabriel did against Nebraska. It's not going to happen with Davis Bevel. But yet you do a lot of zone read. You do a lot of things where, where the defense has to consider that the quarterback could be a run threat. And when you look at Davis Bevel, you, you just watch him take a snap and stand in the pocket. You know this guy's not a run threat. And that took away a lot of what Oklahoma potentially could have accomplished with the play calling. If you're going to play a guy like Davis Bevel, you need to throw the ball 30-plus times a game because that's, that's what he's going to give you. His ability uh, to, to run is not there. His ability to pass has to be there. But the problem is he doesn't have the ability to pass either. He doesn't, he doesn't look confident. And making a read and pulling the trigger. He's got a slow release. He's got a slow read and reaction time when he's checking through his options. And that's why I go back to say that Davis Bevel wasn't the answer. It just wasn't the answer because if you've got a quarterback, if you've got a quarterback who can throw the football, then the defense has to be balanced and respect the running game. Well, he didn't show he could throw the football. Well, if you've got a quarterback who can run the football, then the defense has to be balanced and they have to account for both the running back and the quarterback on zone read plays. A zone read play is all about what the defensive end does. Well, the defensive end knows the quarterback's never going to keep the ball. He didn't have to worry about it. He just crashes in on the running back. And so I, I agree exactly with what you're saying, Jordan. I agree wholeheartedly. They, they needed a quarterback who could have been a threat in the running game, or they needed a different, different offensive game plan. Either one of those could have maybe produced some, some things, but, uh, but they didn't. And I, that's why I think the game plan was wrong for the skill set that was out there, or the skill set was wrong for the game plan that was out there. That's why I said pregame that I thought General Booty was your guy. Um, uh, because of, of what he can do in the passing game. When you look at his junior college numbers, he has to be a guy that's that's um, that's respected by the defenses, but uh, according to Jeff Levy, the uh, practice effort wasn't there. So, hey, we got a couple more true or false statements, and then we'll give you the Big 12 rundown. Thanks again for listening. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, final segment here. This has been a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate you guys all contributing. And if you want to move forward with this format, let's do it, man. But you got you to send them to me at sportsheartland on Twitter, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com or um, heartland-sports.com on our, our podcast page. I got two more uh, true or false statements, and then we're going to jump into some uh, talk over the Big 12 from last weekend, breaking down uh, what's there and what's not there. Um, Brady says this, true or false, the drive views in the Wildcat that ended on fourth and one was the game killer. Um, Brady, I think you might be right there. I'm going to say true because Oklahoma had momentum. So that they break this out, this form out, and Texas can't figure it out. And and to say that Oklahoma was gashing Texas would be correct. You got Jalil Farouk on the end and round and round. You know, you got Bray, uh, Braden Willis. It, it's this was a good set that Texas couldn't figure it out. And the thing that kills me about this is I don't know why Oklahoma stopped. I said previously that when you run this wildcat formation, you're limited in the in the type of plays that you can run. But to me, as a the coach in me would say, make them stop you before you change, right? And and Oklahoma didn't do that. Oklahoma changed before Texas could figure out how to stop it. And and then you go fourth and one, and, and the fourth and one play call was terrible. Um, so yeah, I, I can be. I think I can be highly critical of that. Because even if you kick a field goal, you've got you've still got some momentum. You did something that Texas couldn't stop, and you got points from it. But the way it stands is you did something that was great, then you moved away from it, and then you killed yourself. You stopped yourself. You shot yourself in the foot. And it goes back to the question um, about the defense. 
You remember, remember the, the question we asked about the defense was that the inability to move the ball really affected the way this defense played. And, and that's a great example of, of why that statement was true. Because even if you take three points right there, again, you've done something that Texas couldn't stop. And now you go back out as a defender with some momentum. But the way it was, no, you shot yourself in the foot. You stopped it yourself. And you go out there going, come on, man, we can't even catch a break. We can't get out of our own way, whether we're talking about execution or play calling. And, and yeah, so that, that drive, that, that drive was a, um, was a beautiful tragedy, if you will, because it was great the way it was working. It was tragic the way Oklahoma took it away, not Texas. I would always, always rather Texas take that away before you move to something else than to move to something else before your opponent takes it away. So yeah, Brady, I, I agree with you on that. I think that, that killed all kinds of momentum. Whether we're talking about momentum in the stands with the fans, whether we're talking about momentum with the offense, you tell me, I mean, I, I know these, these players are above board and I know they're team first guys, but you're telling me they're not at least thinking, why did we stop doing this? I mean, I can guarantee you there were players of the 11 players on offense coming off the field after the getting stonewalled on fourth down going, why did we stop? And then the defense has to go back out there and go, man, we're, we're not scoring in this game. I think at that point, to me, I know at that point, when that happened, when that fourth and one play happened, I said out loud for the very first time to my crew, guys, Oklahoma may not score in this game. We need to start preparing ourselves to be shut out. And so if I'm thinking that while I'm watching the game on television, I promise you that vibe is going through the stadium and along the sideline. And it has a great effect on the momentum and the enthusiasm in which you play this game and you cheer for it. Um, last one, man, you guys have been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for so, uh, so much for helping this be awesome. Um, well, at least I think it's awesome. Uh, we'll have to see what your opinion is. Uh, Jennifer says this, um, <laughs> true. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say true and I haven't even read it to you yet. Um, Jennifer says we greatly overestimated this team's potential. Yes, Jennifer, we did. I bought in. I, I know I bought in and I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people that I sat with in the stands bought in. I know there was a lot of preseason uh, media people who bought in. Uh, I mean, I think across the board, the team bought in based on potential. But the reality is that it's just not there. Um, and, and, I don't, and I don't know. I, I Honestly, Jennifer, I, I don't think I can confidently tell you that this is a talent issue. I think it's a mentality issue. And I, and people don't realize how much the right frame of mind steers what a team does, good and bad, on the field. And I someone brought this up. This isn't an a, a this isn't an original thought to me. I and I wish I could give credit. I saw it on Twitter. Someone brought it up and I thought it was great. They they talked about Dave Aranda. And, and when Dave Aranda came into Waco following Matt Rule, his first year was terrible. First year was terrible. And he went in there to change the mindset, change the culture. Guys, this is the way we used to do it. Now here's how we're going to do it. And you saw some guys hit the transfer portal. You saw some guys not play to the effort that they had played the year before. And you saw Baylor have a terrible first year under Dave Aranda. But what did Baylor do in year two? Year two, they won the Big 12 championship. So a, a team can turn around pretty quickly if they have the right talent and the right mentality. I don't, I'm not saying Oklahoma is the most talented team in the Big 12. They should be, but they're not. But I think their mentality is where the issue is here. And when we talk about we, we greatly overestimated their potential, I think we just overestimated their mentality or what, what was going to happen the first time they got smacked around. And now we've seen it for three weeks now with Kansas coming to town. So, yeah, Jennifer, you're spot on. When you look at the Big 12 as a whole, I think here's what we've seen after the uh, first six weeks of the season. I, I think there's three teams that have firmly entrenched themselves 
as front runners to go to Arlington, Texas to play for the Big 12 championship. There's three teams there. And, th- and then I think there's mm, four teams that one weekend to the next could change that. They can be they could be spoilers and they can come in and either insert themselves into the race or they can take someone out of the race. And then I think there's three teams that are clearly they're out. They're out of it. And those three teams are Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if one of those three teams is playing in Arlington in December for the Big 12 championship. I think those three programs, they're clearly out. But when you look at how the Big 12 shook out, Oklahoma State, 5-0, undefeated. TCU, 5-0, undefeated. Kansas State goes to Ames in a game that I thought the Wildcats would lose. They snuck out a one-point victory in a boring, boring, boring game. Six total points in the second half of this game. But Kansas State, 10-9 over Iowa State, 5-1 on the season, 3-0 in Big 12 play. And now TCU's, they're a game behind everyone else in Big 12 play right now. They're 5-0 on the season, 2-0 in conference play. So I think you look at this and you see TCU, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, they're all three there. They are firmly in the driver's seat. You win out, you're playing in Arlington. And then you got like Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and even Texas Tech in that middle range. You know, we saw Texas Tech. They 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 pulled Texas down to their level by beating the Longhorns in Lubbock. They've got they've got other teams coming to Lubbock. They 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 can be dangerous on the road. Oklahoma State had to fight them tooth and nail. That game was in doubt in the third quarter. So I think those those four teams: Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech. They they can be spoilers and they can insert themselves into this race. But as of right now, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State, they're, they're, they're your front runners. They're the ones in the driver's seat. And, um, I mean, again, I'll, 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 I'll admit when I'm wrong, but I'll also throw it out there when I'm right. TCU, they were my Big 12 dark horse, and uh, they're looking very much the part at this point right now. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Um, we're going to try to be back before the Kansas game. Just going to depend on my schedule. Uh, so be looking forward. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on I. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on TuneIn. We're, we're around. So thanks for following. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. Please give us a good review. Uh, please give us a follow. And, uh, man, we, we hope you have a fantastic week leading into your weekend. Boom soon. Come on.